a Shishkin Productions podcast. You know, after that, I, I just kind of told myself, don't get too close to the set. Just stay in the corner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, what's up, Sizzlers? Welcome to another episode of the Sizzle Reel Podcast. Yo, a little bit better energy this week little than bit, last week. A little bit better and a little more on time. <laughs> a Hopefully. Lot, a, a lot more on time. No, no, I, it, trust me, I'm editing this shit right after we're done. Hell yeah. And then it's going in the queue. Uh, Chris, it, we uh, we got a we got a pretty crazy show today. We we're, we have a guest who's like the most qualified editor that we've ever had. I know, it's pretty exciting. Sorry, Evan. Sorry, Joe Nana. Uh, you know, you know, this is the uh, most. Yeah. I, when you said that, I, I, I kind of forgot our friends are pretty good at what they do. Yeah, too. they're good at what they do. But this guy, he does he does things different. He he like he works on uh, on on narrative stuff and yep. he edited um, a feature, a narrative feature that is uh, that had a little theatrical release um, earlier uh, this year, just recently. And it went to Sundance and uh, it's on Amazon Prime. Uh, it's called Emergency. Yeah, it was a, a really good movie and, you know, has good reviews on Rotten it's, Tomatoes. I, I, well. I saw it in theaters. I loved it. Uh, the editor's uh, name is Lam T. Wynn, and uh, he's going to be on in the second half of the show. But for now, it's just me and Chris. Yeah. Well, like 10, 15 minutes. Don't worry. And if you want to skip ahead, just skip ahead like 15 minutes. You can just listen to that. <laughs> you don't have to listen to this. Um Chris, uh, before we get into stuff, yep. where can the folks find us? Well, we are at Scissorial Gang on Twitter and Instagram. Mm. We are scissorialgang at gmail.com. Send yep. us an email. Our inbox is empty. Empty. And we have the inbox zero baby. cold line. <laughs> yes. I'm trying to get faster and faster every <laughs> week. That's the goal. That's the goal. Um, yeah, call in, leave a message, and we'll play it on the show. Um, you know, it's it's been a while since we've had um, a call. So. Yeah, I don't know what's it's okay. up with that. People I guess don't I'll, like making phone calls. I get it. You did know, we whatever. ever find out who that one Nancy? Nancy, did no. we ever find out? No, Nancy is is uh, is just as en- enigmatic as that one South African listener we had like a, <laughs> a year ago. Just another legend in the yeah. show. Just another person who accidentally clicked on the wrong podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I um, thought this was about grilling. So uh, that I think that about knocks out all the social media stuff that we need to plug. I because yeah. I, I have something that just popped up on my computer that I want to tell you about. Oh. Um, before we do get into that, um, June 23rd is our networking event. Yep. Um, go to that's Bro- this week. That's right. Go to Brooklyn's Best dot Eventbrite dot com. And if you put in look normal, if you put in save 50, you can say S-A-V-E-5-0, you get $50 off. But for those sizzle real listeners, if you put in Chris one or Alexi one, you get 100 percent off. It's free. It's free. Free open bar. Free open bar. Free networking. Don't tell anyone except other sizzlers. There might be food and photo booths. I hope no one was listening while we whispered all that. Don't yeah. worry, no one was. <laughs> uh, that was like, we should do an ASMR pod. Um, yeah, so that that's going. And then, of course, you know, for our, as we're coming up on our 100th episode, we're going to be doing Sizzle Real Live. That'll be fun. Yep. Um, Sizzle Real Gang, the website.com. So we can get your tickets and you can get merch. Uh, and <laughs> I'll, I'll build the site soon. I'm okay. sure, I promise I you. Bet. Soon I, I will buy the domain name. Um, Chris, the reason I wanted to go ahead and jump into this little first segment we're doing. Yep. We said before that we we're going to talk a little bit, a little bit about AI and how like suddenly over the last 
few months, AI has kind of really become a mainstream topic. It used to be like a nerd's topic. Now I feel like it's gotten very mainstream in the last few weeks specifically. Well, I feel like there's so many more like, uh, not practical uses, but accessible uses for it, yeah. uh, you know, that the average person can use. And like, especially for us in working with uh, like Adobe software, there's a decent amount of AI kind of like text to speech stuff or, yeah. you know, vice versa. That's uh, it, it's really impressive and does a great job. Well, so one of the things that was, you know, getting a lot of uh, hype recently was Doll E, right? It's sure. a D-A-L-L uh, then space E. Uh, Dolly is like a, an AI program, an AI model generating program. So you can type in anything you want and you hit run and it runs for a little bit. And then it generates uh, all of these kind of images based off of what you typed in. So right before the show started, uh, you know, it's it's been getting a lot of traffic. So it's been down lately, but yeah. I somehow got into this. Uh, and right before the show started, I typed in chicken on the moon and hit run just in oh, case it man. would work. And as we were doing our little bit, the it popped up. So I have uh, okay. nine chicken on the moon images right in front of me. How long did it take? Um, I am not exactly sure how long this one took to run, but it might have been a couple minutes. Right right minutes. now I'm running sizzle reel gang. I'm at 40 oh, seconds, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, it'll probably be there by the end of this segment. Um, I, I did notice a lot of stuff on Twitter the last few weeks where people okay. are like making memes out of it and doing stuff with it. Yeah. And it's actually really interesting. Like for me, I think where it could be interesting, is, the first thing that comes to mind is album art, like for yeah, musicians, right? Absolutely. If you're like an indie musician and say you don't have any design skills and you you have a really specific vision of what you want, but you can just type something in and there you go. You might have like, you might have exactly what you're looking for. And if not, just run it again. Maybe it'll come up eventually. I don't know. It's uh, like for me, it's just interesting to see what, what a computer algorithm will come up with, with, you know, yeah. real life things. It's uh, actually, did you see that, uh, that article about the Google engineer? Yeah. Okay, so, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. What, what mention it. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know everything about it, but basically a Google engineer thought that the AI that they have had become sentient, Yeah. which, uh, I will say I've read through the transcripts and it was very impressive, like the way that it put together sentences and thoughts. Yeah. But at the same time, you could kind of tell that it's, it's not actually feeling well, things like it's just it's just like taking kind of dictionary answers. I mean, let's be honest, though. Engineers don't have the most like they don't have the greatest grasp on conversationalism. That's true. You know what That's I'm true. They're like, it sounds just like me. It's like, oh, maybe, <laughs> maybe you sound like a robot. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I saw some stuff about that. And that's kind of what made me think like, yeah, we should kind of touch on AI today just for at this first part. Yeah, because it really has been like all over the place. Um, even just looking through The Verge right now, like they posted a thing that says uh, it's oh, it's Sizzle Real Gang. Here are the pictures. Wow. That none of uh, that's <laughs> no, disturbing. They, they it, all look like uh, when you like type in kind of hip hop group, when you type in um, like anything that involves people, it's always really disturbing because their faces are always like so uh, they're like dream Voldemort faces. dream faces. Yeah, they're bizarre. It's 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 dis it's really disturbing to look at them. Uh, so. Either way, I was going through The Verge, and they even today put up, have an article about another AI thing called Voice Mod, and I don't know anything about this. All I know is the headlines, so I'm kind of going to discover it as we go, but it says, Voice Mod uses AI to transform your voice into Morgan Freeman, astronauts, and more. So, you know, some of it you might think, oh, okay, this is just like preset, you know, 
uh, preset like channel strips that have a bunch of different effects in yeah, them, and yeah. you can just apply them. Who knows? Maybe it is like that. But if it's using AI, that's what is. Uh, that's what's interesting to me. It's like how how is it using AI? I guess it well, says it's actors read scripts to generate data for AI based models. I mean, I assume so, that's how how those TikTok voices work, right? Am yeah, I that's wrong? a good point. No, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I mean, but this one says it transforms your voice. So it's like, oh, yeah. So that's why I was like, well, that's, that's interesting. Pretty just, trippy. Just What's the, it called? Uh, voice mod. Just the fact, though, that like every single day there's like a new thing that pops up that uses AI to do stuff. I even saw one that was like a website that uses AI to write copy for you. So basically, like when you don't know what kind of copy to write, you just type in like, the thing that you're trying to sell oh or whatever, God, they right? really so, are coming for our jobs. They're coming for everything. I'm, I, but it's, it's cool though. I mean, like it seems like right now or, or like in, in the near future, you're going to be able to like just completely generate videos that shouldn't really exist. You the, know what I mean? It, I think what's cool about it is that it's right now it's at the level where like it's a useful tool for people who know how to operate the tool. Yeah. So like, it's not like anyone can just make anything. Cause it's like, you have to know about it to know it. Sure. So like if someone hires you to, uh, not, I'm not like saying do this, but if someone hires you to like make album art, for example, you can be like, can you write me like a description of what you're looking for? Mm -hmm. Just fucking plug it in. That'd be so just let the computer up. run and then give them like, yo, so I came up with nine options. <laughs> you know, or like, I went above and beyond. Yeah. So we're like with the copywriting thing, right? It's like, yeah, we're, we're still in, in the, the phase where we can use AI to, to make our jobs easier before our jobs become AI's jobs. Yeah, exactly. I mean, eventually they're still going to need to be someone yeah, to run them, but always. it's just, it's going to be a little bit more, um, a little bit, there's going to be less obstacles between steps, right? It's going to be more fluid. Or maybe it's time for me to transition out of this industry and, and become a software engineer. Dude, I mean, if you want, go for it. You'll I'm, probably make more money. I feel like I couldn't do software engineering. I don't feel like just writing code and looking at code all day. It's, I, could, I, I wouldn't mind doing like the, the bigger Big picture, picture stuff yeah. where it's like you're trying to come up with what you want the engineers to do. <laughs> uh, I just typed in gambling cats and it did a pretty good job. Oh, wow. Well, so but once again, the faces not enjoyable to look at. It's like, let me see. Let me see what it looks they're, like. They're all very dreamy, you know, like yeah, it's, it's very, it's very bizarre. It's just a bunch of cats on like green backgrounds to represent the card tables. Yep. And there's a bunch of cards or poker chips and stuff like that. I mean, if you want to check it out, type in a uh, doll, uh, D A L L space E space mini dolly mini. And uh, one of the first things that's going to come up is a uh, hugging face.co. And mm -hmm. it's like someone, I guess, scripted this. So, you know, it's a mini, it's like a mini version of Dolly. So it'll pop out like nine versions of whatever you type in. Uh, it's very cool. It's, uh, it's bizarre. I'm not sure where, where things are going. Um, one more thing that's before we get to the second segment, uh, Adobe, you said they were saying Photoshop's going to be free or something. Right? Yeah. So right now I think that they are tr like trying out a free version, uh, like a browser based version of Photoshop I think right now it's only available for Canadian users uh, and you have to have an Adobe account, which is free. Uh, and then I think their plan eventually is to start, uh, you know, locking off certain premium features. So it's going to be a freemium type mm. product. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I, I think it's very cool, you know, especially for, for young people who are trying to learn Photoshop and can't necessarily afford it. 
uh, and don't know how to pirate it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Got them. And uh, I, I was going to call them nerds, but they're actually the opposite of nerds. Because if they were nerds, they'd know how to pirate. It. Exactly. Um, I think that, like, I'm I'm curious why they're doing it. Maybe it's because there are some like other free software or cheaper software that do similar things to Photoshop, mm-hmm. uh, and they just want to like really re. re- assert their dominance over this landscape. Yeah. Uh, but, or, you know, maybe, maybe they're just doing it out of the goodness of their hearts. Uh, yeah. I'm sure there's a plan. I, I like, uh, I mean, I prefer Photoshop to any alternative. Absolutely. Um, just because to me, it's like, it's the industry it, standard. It's, it's just what I've always used and it works. But what, well, one other thing I saw that was actually that along the same lines for Adobe is that now you can edit, uh, videos in Lightroom in terms of their color. You can't, you still can't like, uh-huh. you can trim like start, start points and end points. Yeah. And you can do all the same stuff you would do to a picture, like I guess cropping and stuff, but also all the color effects. So if you're more used to color correcting, like in Lightroom, you can color correct videos in, sorry. Yeah. If you're more used to color correcting in Lightroom, yeah. you can color correct videos in Lightroom instead of doing it in an NLE. Now, is that only in like the new Lightroom or is that in Lightroom Classic? I think I'm not even sure. I didn't really research it. It's probably going to be the next version of it or whatever yeah. they roll out. But it seems cool. Like basically, it seems like it's geared towards photographers who happen to shoot a video clip while they're out. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not, you can't, there's no way to efficiently run a whole like video production through it. Like you Absolutely. still want to take that shit to resolve that i you know i really do wish that adobe like i know there's lumetri color within uh premiere but i i wish that they would build a a stronger color correction tool kind of like how da vinci had or black magic da vinci mm-hmm. resolve whatever um just because I, I i don't know it, it seems weird that yeah. you have to go to a different program that does the same stuff just yeah. because it's so much better at this one specific thing yeah. Um, no, you're right. I mean, also, I think I don't know how much uh, maybe I guess After Effects has it to some extent, maybe not. But like node based workflows, instead sure. of layer based workflows. Maybe it's just the fact that like maybe it's some deeper kind of um, development thing yeah, where well, like and- once you've de- one, like they need to redevelop the entire like idea of what they're building or whatever. Yeah. And I, I know DaVinci also has like those uh, the like decks to the oh, physical yeah. decks that you can work with right. that just like integrate with their systems perfectly so you can color super quickly. I've never seen that in action. I'd really like to. Maybe I need the Shadow Frankie one day. Yeah, Shadow Frankie or, you know, hang, hang out with Bell. I feel like Kuba does, oh, yeah, does Kuba. some, some yeah, yeah. color correction stuff. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I'll get, okay, a little small, tiny last thing is that uh, this is kind of unrelated, but I think uh, I'm going to, I might have to go all in on Apple TV next year because Major League Soccer have uh, signed a deal with Apple. Oh, yeah. It and was Apple like a $2.5 gonna, billion. Dollar. Apple are going to stream every MLS match for 10 years, starting in 2023. 10 years. I, so now I might have to switch. I, I think that it's going to be one of those like additional packages. I don't think that you buy Apple TV and you have it automatically. Maybe, uh, I'm, maybe I misread the article. Uh, or maybe the details aren't out, but I think there was speculation that it's going to be like a, a little upgrade. Thing. I see. Okay. So yeah, it says fans will be able to subscribe to a current, a new currently unnamed MLS streaming service that will be available exclusively through the Apple TV app. So I feel like I would have to get Apple TV and the add on, yeah. but I'll do and, it. And Paramount I'll plus do to do uh, the international stuff. And- yeah. Paramount plus I, I'll just keep using someone's login for that, but I, I'll, I'll risk it all for MLS. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll get Apple TV, but, uh, yeah, exciting. Exciting news for MLS. And, 
you know, it'll be hopefully it's it's a good partnership. It's 10 years. I hope so. I mean, like it's it's obviously uh, like the the money, like the deal. It's a big deal. Um, I'm just worried about it blocking people off from watching MLS and slowing the growth in that way. Like I feel like having MLS games on ESPN plus has is a good thing. Right. Um, because a lot more people have ESPN plus than Apple it's, TV. Yeah. It's really interesting. I mean, it's, it's almost like ESPN plus is like they're appealing to people who were already kind of in that ecosystem sports yeah. viewers. But with Apple, to me, the upside is like Apple's a way cooler name. It's a more like forward thinking, progressive company. Sure. So like it's I think it's cool that they're mutually like down to take this leap into. I know. know? But it's for me, it's like this is only for big MLS fans. It's not going to get other people like the average person isn't going to pay for Apple TV plus and then pay an additional package pay for an additional package for mls games so that's the only thing i'm worried about well uh okay look actually now looking at this it says a broad selection of mls and leagues cup matches will also be available at no additional cost to apple tv plus subscribers okay with a limited number of matches available for free so i don't know what that means but basically you'll be able to watch some of it you're just not going to get all of it yeah it's almost like the way it's actually just kind of like the way it is on espn right now sure sure i just think espn is a larger uh, like s- subscriber base. It's also just strictly sports. You know what I mean? Sure. I think it's a cool move because MLS always tends to do kind of progressive stuff. Well, yeah, absolutely. So, it, it could I be think, very forward thinking. It could be ahead of its time in that yeah. sense. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll end up seeing what happens. Um, all right, let's let's should we get to the break? Because we got. Uh, well, did you learn anything last week? Oh, yeah. Let's do what we learned last week. What we learned last week. All right, Chris, why don't you kick us off? Um, so I learned that Australia is wider than the moon, like across. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's weird. It's about 370 miles wider. The moon's that small. I mean, oh, you're just talking like straight up diameter. Uh, you're yes. not talking like circumference. No, diameter. Okay, cool. Definitely not the, the entire circumference. I thought you were saying if you roll Australia up in a, like a ball, that would be pretty wild. Be a tiny little moon. I want, I mean, maybe Russia could go all the way around yeah we'll see i mean look i haven't done the math i don't know anything about the moon but i'm glad that you learned that you got a chicken on the moon i did put a chicken on the moon earlier uh well and and if you're wondering why we're doing this segment now it's because we don't want to embarrass ourselves in front of our esteemed guests yeah yeah Uh, also we didn't tell him uh to learn anything uh my what i learned last week was that uh i I don't think i've used this one yet luna is the most popular dog name okay yeah, I didn't know that. You I picked mean, you picked for for Chris lists, which is a segment we do on TikTok. You picked. Uh, you said guess what the most popular dog name is. Um, I think uh, Engineer Will said like Sparky or something like that. Uh, that was not it on was the not list. Sparky, a Pepper. That was what it was. Pepper. It was. Oh, that's a cute name though. A good name, but it wasn't on the list. Uh, intern Flora said Bell. No, Bella. Bella, which, which was number two. Number two. Yeah, I said Luna after Jonana's dog. That was number one. Shout out Luna. Shout, Shout out, out Luna. Shout out Jonana. Um, and Sizzlers, keep on uh, sizzling right through this break because when we come back, we got Lamb T win. Yeah, the sec- um, second half much stronger than the first. Half. Yeah, the second half. There's a lot of really good stuff. You're gonna learn a lot if you're if you've ever like been interested in the post production world, uh, like when it comes to narrative filmmaking and yeah. like actual movies. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of great insight. It's it's very fun. So stick around. <laughs> 
Welcome to Rounds of Sound, the podcast where we go song for song with indie artists to find out their influences and the stories behind their songs. I'm here with Hannah Jadagu. The way I recorded my first couple of songs was all through my iPhone. We have Victoria Park. I was on Twitter as I am and it's like, hey, are there like any labels who follow me who might be interested? It's the one and only Liam Kazar. Yeah, here's what I'll say. You gotta walk all your gear up and find the stairs. Okay, that's, yeah, that's never that's, fun. That's, that's no fun. Check out Rounds of Sound exclusively on Spotify and find out the influences behind your favorite artists. That's Rounds of Sound. Welcome back, Sizzlers. We are here with Lam T. Wynn, the editor for the film Emergency. Uh, it just uh, just premiered at Sundance, and it is distributed by Amazon Studios. Me and Alexi both watched it recently. Yeah. I really enjoyed it, and uh, I'm excited to talk to the yeah. editor. Yeah, you might remember I mentioned a few a, week, a few weeks ago that I went and saw it the last night that it was at Angelica. It was an incredible theatrical experience. You know, I love seeing movies in theaters. I hate watching them at home, so I'm glad I got to catch it. But uh, yeah, Lamb T. Win Lamb, we are so stoked to have you on. Um, I know we talked about this right before we started, but usually we have like a lot of corporate type editors mm-hmm. or like editors who, you know, work on short form stuff, social yeah. media type Digital. stuff. Digital. Yeah, exactly. And it's uh, it's really cool to have someone who's worked on a feature. So we are stoked to have you here. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Um, I'm looking for, and thanks for watching the film. And, and it's awesome that you, you were able to watch it in the theaters. I think as filmmakers, we, we hope people get to experience it in the theaters. There's nothing like that experience. Um, yeah, see, that's that's what I always say, too. But we've had friends in the past, friends of the show who argue that it's oh, it's so much easier to watch it at home. I prefer that. I'm like, nah, fuck that. Like, I need that. I need the sound, man. That's the most important part to me. I love the sound of, of a film. You know what I mean? Um, so let me ask you this. Like Chris just mentioned, this was at Sundance. Was that did you get you do get to go? I'm assuming you went right. You were you edited it. Yeah, oh, man. So this year. Uh, it's, just, it's, our, it's my second feature with director Kerry Williams. So it's, we, we were gotten to Sundance back to back years, but this year it was supposed to be in person and all of us got family, everyone's ready to go. And obviously, you know, two weeks before they had to cancel because of Omicron. Um, oh, so otherwise shit. we would have been there for opening night. They were having us to headline this, the festival opening night. We were so stoked. So we didn't get a chance to experience it in person. <laughs> Oh, that's a bummer. I didn't realize Dang. that they canceled it. Yeah. Uh, I, feel, I feel like, uh, so in the past, have you been a, ever before, like maybe as an attendee or anything? Because I've never been. No, I, I've never been. The year before, we, uh, Carrie and I did a movie called uh, Our Hashtag J, a modern retelling Roman Juliet. And so that that was the first virtual uh, festival thing that Sundance did, which was which is an awesome experience. But then, yeah, I, I've never been there uh, two years Dang, ago. That's a bummer. <laughs> they they owe you they owe you one man yeah the next time you the next time you and Carrie make something they 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 owe you guys you got to get out there again <laughs> I hope so yeah we gotta find another special one for sure and but we that's South by uh Southwest this year so we got to go there in Austin so we got to experience that event which is full. So you got picked to go to to South by as well so you actually oh. got to be there in person. So that must have been uh, a bit of a consolation almost, maybe. I don't know. Was it weird to, to pit Sundance and South by against each other? There must be some politics with that shit. 
<laughs> no, I think for us, we're just, we're just grateful. We're just grateful to, to just to be in to, to one of the biggest festivals um, in the industry. So we're just lucky that we're grateful that they actually ran it in person and we got to experience it with our crew and cast and the family and just really see it with the crowd. I think it's just fun to be around people um, and see other great films around there too. So let me ask you about just the editor and director relationship. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's always something that's uh, has to be really tight knit and, and that can really determine how the story goes a lot of the time. Um, for us, like we do shorter stuff, but it's very clear how di- differently projects go when there's not clear direction. Absolutely. Um, what's your experience been like working with Carrie and like how tight are you guys? Yeah, he's, he's been great, man. Uh, Carrie's a very, a talented storyteller and a visionary, and he's very um, collaborative. He's always open to, to try new things and new ideas. He has like certain uh, set of visions in mind, but then he always asks the question, is this better? Can we do better? Um, so he and I, we, you know, with Romeo and Juliet was our first project. And, you know, um, yeah, we, we kind of grown close from that project and became great friends. And, and uh, I'm fortunate that he thought of me for emergency. And, um, uh, you know, we aligned, uh, right off the bat, uh, off Katie Davila's amazing script, amazing script that she wrote. So when I read it, I told Kara, dude, this is, this is an awesome story. And, and we immediately aligned what the story was about, you know, which is about these two friends, you know, uh, it's really a love story about these two guys and on the wild night. And, um, yeah, so we're, we're close. We're really close, fast friends and, um, professionally just very, very nice, awesome man to work with. And he's just so collaborative. And that, that makes a huge difference. And I'm, I'm an open-minded editor too. So, I mean, you've been at it for a while. Like I'm looking at your IMDb and like, you've been editing uh, like narrative films for a pretty long time. I mean, there's some documentaries on here, I guess, but uh, you know, you've been doing the damn thing and I'm lucky that I looked up the right lamb. When <laughs> I heard, I heard that you got miscredited once as someone who did a, uh, stunt work on mortal Kombat. yeah so yeah i did on my, on my very first feature they tried to put me on the list and it was they thought i was the same guy doing stunt coordinating <laughs> damn like you you could jack you, of all trades yeah. i was gonna say you could have easily pivoted into something completely different like, i totally could um, how how long did it take to to cut um to cut emergency so they filmed last year it was in uh late april may um, so I was actually involved during production. I was cutting dailies uh, as they were filming. Um, so from May all the way, we locked picture, uh, I would say, by Thanksgiving. And then, then I got, Carrie and I and the DP, Mike Del Torre, uh, got flown out to New York to finish the movie in New York, over there with you guys in New York, um, to sound mix and color correction. So we finished it there in December and January. So, yeah, it took about still, a good where- nine months. Where did y'all go for finishing? Company three. Word. Okay. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to give them a, give them a, a plug. You know what I mean? I don't really know them, but I mean, hey, the film looks great. Yeah, so looking sounded great. Oh, like, um, yeah. Company three is great, and then the sound mixer, um, um, Paul was amazing too. Um, Chris, you got any questions? I feel like I'm dominating this, but yeah, I yeah. Want you, I want to let you get one in. Yeah, sure. Can Can you tell me like what the uh, the organization process is for for a feature? Because you know the the longest thing we've ever worked on is about thirty or forty minutes. Yeah. So like just the idea of having that much footage to 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 deal with and Not, organize. Like, h- how do you organize it? 
Yeah, that, that goes credit to, to my, the assistant editor. Um, the, I had two assistant editors. The first one, Jamie Blanco, he, he was involved um, pretty much most of the production and Darnell Starworth came in towards the end to handle the effect stuff. But Jamie, he, it's, it's all organization. He, he did such a great, amazing job organizing the, the dailies for me. And uh, he, he always checks in with me like, Hey, you know, what do you think this, am I doing a thing that's comfortable for you? And so it's, it's really organized. And it's really, for me, um, taking it really day by day, scene by scene, you know, if you try to think about the whole big picture, you kind of get overwhelmed by it. So I'm just going organized by scenes and it's nice that I'm able to edit dailies, um, as they film each day. So it's kind of easy to kind of add up instead of just coming all at once with the footage. Are there, were there any scenes that like really stuck out to you that, that you really had to spend a lot of extra time on, or was it just kind of each scene was its own thing and, and you just worked through it methodically? There was a comedy. I mean, as you guys know, comedy is such a, it's such a hard genre to do. It's timing and it's so surgical. Mm-hmm. And so I think that the hardest scene was, if you remember the uh, Terrence's apartment, when the guys ran out, when they find out that she's from high school, um, you know, it's just kind of jumping between the apartment scene and outside with Maddie and the group uh, approaching there. And we just had to time that right. We had so many variations of that. Like, like how do we get this land to land correctly with, with the comedy part when the boys ran out? We had so many ways to do it. And that, that was a, one of the scenes that we spent a lot of time on. Um, and also the apartment scene in the beginning when they found the girl in their apartment room. It's, it's a long scene. And, it, mm-hmm. and these guys did an amazing job, but there's so much ad lib and dialogue. So we had to like try and make it, you know, fun and concise, but like try to keep the story forward. So that one, we spent some time to, to kind of trim down as much as we can without losing too much. Well, you, you not only had to, to cut for comedy, but also for like suspense, you know, like it, it, it had like thriller vibes to it in a way, you know, like you, you're, you're stressed out the, the whole time but you're also laughing like that's that's a hell of a, a, a balance yeah exactly yeah that's that was the one biggest challenge coming into this project was man i have a huge challenge of keeping this balance between comedy drama and and, and suspense and uh, i think one thing I, I, was, I was working through is with carrie and i we, we have always kind of been mindful of hey let's not get too silly and let's it, let's not get too dramatic where it becomes cheesy so it's one of those things where we would kind of work through a scene and we'll watch it in its entirety to kind of just feel it like, okay, sometimes it gets too silly. Like let's, let's cut down the comedy a little bit and bring, bring the audience back to the drama part. So yeah, it's, it's really every scene we were working through a delicate balance. And for me, I was always keeping in mind of if a scene starts off dramatic to try to end the scene with some levity so that release the tension a little bit and then the audience could feel comfortable mm-hmm. to move forward and then vice versa it was something I always kept in mind. Uh- I was so I, I was wondering about um, kind of maybe the improvisational nature of things. And were there ever moments where, you know, maybe it was scripted a certain way or the boards looked a certain way, but it just wasn't possible. And you kind of had to redo things or, or kind of m- take other pathways, either on set or in post. Did you guys ever experience any of that where you kind of had to think on the fly and change things up? Um. I think Carrie okay, was so well prepared. Uh, I think he was so well prepared with the shot list and with working with the DP. Um, based off the script, I mean, the script pretty much, we stayed aligned with what the script was about uh, to the finished product. I mean, we try to stay as faithful as much as possible. And I have to say, I think it's, it's pretty as close to the script. 
Uh, there's some scenes that um, obviously we, you change in the, in the edit. It's another rewrite in some ways, you know, and um, I think it's more of, uh, yeah, I don't, from, from what, what I remember, I don't think they've, they've kind of like had to do something on the fly as much as they were there. I mean, it was crunch time because they, they, they filmed a short amount of days. But they were they were really well prepared. Um, they kind of they really knew what they wanted. And I think having to, for me to be involved during production, I was able to go through dailies and like if I feel like there's a scene or a clip that they took off from the shot list to make time for the day before that I needed, I'll, I'll be like, hey man, I think I think you should try to get this thing on the show. We should just get this reaction, and um, yeah, they'll make the time to to capture it so we don't so we save any headache for post and not do any pickups. So. I think being heavily involved during during the daily edits helped a lot with that too. That that's also great that you guys have such a good relationship where like you can bring that up and and feel comfortable saying that and he can like trust you, you know what I mean? Cuz I feel like there's a lot of times when you know, who knows if that relationship's not so strong, it it can come off it can like maybe butt heads and mm-hmm. maybe it's Absolutely. like do we really need it? Do we you're like, "Yeah, I think we really need it, but it seems like you don't want to shoot it or whatever." Um no, man, but like, let me get into kind of a more philosophical part of it. So okay. that was that to me, that seems like a long process, right? You said May to November uh, that I don't know because I've never worked on a feature. I don't know if that's typical or what, but it seems like a long time. What do you do if you ever like start feeling burnt out or if you ever start kind of getting like lower energy or, or aren't so excited about the project one day? What do you do to kind of reset your headspace? I think, well, it's, it's, a, it's a long process for sure, but it's definitely phases. You know, I think the the production part, when I was cutting the film during production and, and when they finished production, it's pretty much like I have my kind of own version of the film, assembly of the film, keeping with what Carrie's vision in mind. And then we have 10 weeks to, to do a director's cut. So that's another phase. So that's for me, that's more of a, a new thing because then he comes in and helps massage these scenes and throws in new ideas. So that keeps things new. So I, I don't get drained by that. Um, mm-hmm. And then, but also we, 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 we work like, you know, five days and we try, we also take the weekends off, you know, and just always best to come with back with a fresh mind. And if there are, there are some certain days where we get stuck on a scene or something and we just like so burnt out by it, we purposely will take a day off and just like, just let it marinate, think about it, come back, then you just come with new ideas and, and, and work more efficiently. Um, so yeah, it's, that second phase is director's cut. And then, then, you know, another phase is going through producer's notes and stuff. And that brings some new, new life and new energy to work through. So yeah, for me as an editor, I think it's always something, every versions of the project, it's always something new. So that's what keeps me going like, okay, how to can I make these notes work? And then how to, to, to address it, to satisfy both sides of the party. How how different are those cuts? Like, is the direct like? Are there any scenes that got completely just like nixed yeah. that you know didn't make it? Yeah, we, we definitely took a couple scenes out, and they were really good, funny scenes. But you know, it's based off test screenings, and people felt like ah, oh, just it's just a bump in the, in the story, and so we just kind of nixed it out. We had to sacrifice some scenes that we really loved, but yeah, we definitely Dude, lost a couple scenes. I gotta we we gotta get the uh, we gotta get the director's cut of emergency. Over. <laughs> I want to screen. I want to screen that. I bet you the scenes are dope. Yeah, I hope they. Uh, I hope they somehow release a deleted scenes or something. That'll be fun for you to see. Yeah. So I saw. I saw it once. Chris saw it once. Yep. How many times have you seen it? Oh man, that's <laughs> funny. Everyone would ask me that. I think like and literally probably seen like at least a hundred times. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. there's a lot of QC at the end too. Um. But but fortunately with this project, it, it, 
I never really got bored going through it. Uh, I think it's just, I don't know. I, I think it was just, um, I, I always get keep be critical when I'm like QCing, but there's a certain point where I'm able to watch as an audience. And that's when I can feel like, okay, I could just QC this and, and just enjoy the movie finally. So I, a lot of I times. I hate QCing. Yeah. I can't stand it. It's, I remember I'm like, so impatient. I used to work uh, the, the longest shit that I ever worked on was like 40 minutes long, right? Yep. It was like a talk show type thing. Yep. And it had multiple segments. And at the end, like when we had the QC, I would, uh, I finally convinced the producers, like after a few weeks of the show, after like four weeks of the show, I was like, yo, let's throw this thing into VLC two and a half speed. Just we're all going to stay super quiet. Just stare at this thing. And we'll, I promise you we, if it's bad, if something's wrong, we'll catch it. And we're going to save ourselves like. 20 minutes and uh guess what i think we only messed up one time oh nice <laughs> nice oh, no. I, I, I hear you guys definitely the last two three qcs where we we watched one version we think this is it this is the final thing this one little like ugh, one little thing the mistake or sound yep. or something we gotta get it fixed and then, oh man we gotta watch the whole thing again just for one little mistake to try yep. to make sure it's all perfect <laughs> Not to mention you got to ex- re-export, re-render, do whatever. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. What is the what's the delivery process like for a for a feature like that? I mean, it's a whole team. I mean, like Company Three, they're the ones that handle all the delivery stuff. So, uh, yeah. When I finish the when we picture lock, obviously, you know, my cut is like an in ten eighty, but they finished in four K. So Company Three would take it and upres the whole film, and then um, and then with color, they they handle all the color deliveries. So, so, so they handle all the exports. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't touch any of that at all. But, I, but Carrie and I and, and Mike would all would always have to sign off on on the version before they, as they export. What, what, what do you hand off to Company Three? Is it just like a drive with the project and all the footage, or or is it like a I don't know? Yeah, I, I literally don't even know what the process would be like. Yeah, this uh, they they have all the footage. They, they they're the ones that handle all the dailies and stuff too, and so they. They have everything. And so why, what, what my assistant editors, they would just hand out the, my timeline sequence and they take it and they just kind of upraise it from there to match exactly what, what I did. That's wild. Were you working in, in, in premiere or, or avid or. Yeah. Premiere premiere for this one. Uh, Amazon wow. studios, uh, partnered with Adobe, trying their first, um, Adobe through the cloud, uh, workflow. Oh, it was really okay. interesting because so they filmed in Atlanta my assistant editors are in New York and I'm editing in LA and Amazon would what? set us up with this. Uh, we each have our own super PC that we remote logged into uh, sure. from Amazon, their, their facilities. And then they connect those computers to one cloud drive. And then we use the, the Adobe, new, the new Adobe uh, production feature where um, all of us right. can access the projects at the same time and still work. So it is really neat, but yeah, it, it worked uh, pretty smoothly for did, overall. Yeah. I was gonna, did you run into any problems, any hiccups or, or was it pretty, pretty smooth? Like I figure if three people are working all that's got to at least throttle the speeds a little bit or something, right? Yeah. Uh, generally overall it was pretty good. We had like technical, difficult, te- technical difficulties at some points, but it was just more like, really technical things that they were able to solve pretty quickly, but generally it's actually pretty, it was pretty smooth. Thankfully. Yeah. Yeah. Do, uh, do you know how much total footage you're working with? Like in terabytes? Oh man. <laughs> I think yeah, that drive was about, I think close to maybe 15 terabytes. Wow. I mean, it was a That's... lot of, yeah, everything was 4k, four, four and a half K on Alexi. Um, so yeah, it's, 
No, I might be exaggerating. It's probably close to more like 10 terabytes. It's still a lot. <laughs> still <laughs> a lot. At least they gave you a script, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True. True. They always dump stuff on us where they're like, here's two terabytes and you need to make a 10 minute video. And you're like, what? And they're, and they're like, yeah, just pick the best parts, man. Oh, man. You make it sound <laughs> trust, so easy, trust, right? Trust me, I'd, I'd love to, but I'd love for you to help me. <laughs> yeah. We, we recently got a project where like there were actual shoot notes and like everything was yeah. labeled really nicely. And it was such a change of pace for us. Yeah. The director walked in and like dropped the drive off and we were like, oh my God, like you have like, you had a script supervisor, like everything is labeled. And she was like, uh, yeah, of course. We're like, please, please, like it, more of you. We need more of you. Yeah. Because like I said, we work on like we work on like kind of smaller stuff. Right. So yeah. it doesn't a lot of the time all that organization falls by the wayside. It's the first stuff to get cut. You know, when the Absolutely. budget needs to come down, they're like, oh, let's lose all the people who look like they're not doing anything. And they're standing there with a, you know, iPad. But those are the people doing the most. Yeah, they're, they're very critical. The script supervisor. Uh, and everyone has a hand on making making their process yeah. as smooth as possible for sure. Yeah, organization is so key. Um, so let me ask you about kind of how you got into the world of post production and just outside of narrative stuff. Like, have you worked on um, like any stuff that's maybe less important, so to speak, like corporate stuff or st- stuff that you know maybe helped you get your start? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I grew up in Denver, Colorado, so um, I went to the University of Denver there for, originally for business, but then, you know, I was just trying to find what I really wanted to do, and I used to do student films in high school for fun. At that time, mm-hmm. it was tape-to-tape editing, like VHS to VHS, yep. but I remember I enjoyed doing that, and they had a film program, so oh, maybe I should just give this a serious shot and see what happens, so... Um, yeah, the film program, I, I immediately fell in love with it. And then um, uh, I got an internship with the Denver-based production company at the time. Uh, and Rick Ramage, he, he's a, a seasoned screenwriter. He wrote Stigmata at, the, Stigmata at the time. And that was a big hit. And I was like, I, want, I really want to be an intern here. So they were doing a feature musical for Sleepy Hollow. And um, I got an internship there. I was a PA on the set, doing all the stuff. Then I was an assistant editor for the behind the scenes editor. And then I remember one day Rick would just watch me just kind of log footage for, for the behind the scenes footage and just ask me questions like, you know, I worked that software and it's Final Cut Pro, the, the very first editions of it. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I just did a student film on this. And he would come back with producers and pretty much ask me all these questions on the fly. Like if he has some scenes from the film, to cut, you think you could do it for him? I'm like, yeah, I could do it. I could do it, you know? And he's like, all right, bring the machine back. And um, he gave me a couple of scenes to look at. He didn't tell me what he really wanted to do. He just wanted me to just put it together and see what I come up with. And I guess he, he liked what I did, what my instincts was. And that's kind of how I, I got hired on as a you know secondary editor on that project. And I became an editor for the feature. And that's how my editing career began was from that opportunity. And, um, and then from there, I did I did documentary for a good four four or five years um, mm. in Boulder, Colorado, for a production company up there. Then I branched off. Uh, I took a break from documentary because I got burnt out, man. I mean, like it, mm-hmm. it's it's a great thing that I would I would always embrace because it helped definitely helped me shape me as a storyteller. Um, but I got burnt out, so I was doing commercial work. I actually did commercial work for a good three four years with uh you know Ryan Ross and Buck Ross Productions up there, and and um, that was cool just to kind of, kind of 
kind of more light, but you still learn a lot with storytelling to try to tell a story in 30 seconds. It's very challenging as well. And then um, yeah. I've always wanted to go back to narrative feature and, you know, Rick Ramage, he's been a mentor of mine since, you know, my internship. And uh, I was lucky to shadow him with the screenwriting process. And I think that really helped me become even more a better storyteller and editor, because I think screenwriting and editing is almost kind of the, the same thing in a way. Cause he, you know, the, his process, he, you know, he lays out these pages on the wall and like shows me, all right, these are fat stuff that you could cut out those pages on the wall. To me, it's like the timeline in the edit where you see a whole yeah, edit yeah. thing on the timeline. You can see where the big fat chunks are where you need to work on. So it's a nice, it's so, so interesting to see the process with that. And um, I also want to go back to narrative. So I was like, all right, I'm just move to LA and see, see, see what's out there. So I definitely done a lot of things. I did a lot of corporate videos during the commercial years as well. So. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I agree 100% with what you said about writing and editing being one and the same. That's actually basically how Alexi and I became editors. Like yeah. in, in high school, we would write uh, screenplays and, and stage plays and we'd have our friends put them on. And then, you know, as we got older, it was harder to get a group of people together, but it was easier to have, you know, access to the, the new digital cameras that were out yeah. and like the editing software. So we kind of transitioned into, the, into that. Just kind of fall into it. But then when you're like editing you're yeah you, uh, it always comes to mind it's like i'm just writing yeah I'm just writing like with chunks that have already been written and i'm uh -huh. rearranging them that's it you know and if i want to write my own thing i'll just record myself doing vo for it fuck it yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i mean editing is, is yeah it's not a rewrite it's so interesting how you can rewrite with pictures and, and dialogue do you, and do you shape things up do you ever write do you, you have anything that you that you like would want to write or direct or anything any like dream projects yeah no during my years with rick uh as i was shadowing him and reading scripts and stuff I, I i wrote a lot of scripts at that time i do have a lot of scripts that, that i have kind of like kept in and yeah i hope to get it produced someday you know as i as my you know working building my career now that the last couple of years is starting to kind of grow for me um maybe there'd yeah. be an opportunity where i could you know produce or direct one of my own features we'll see We'll see 2023, the Lamp T win directorial uh, net feature debut. Oh man, I, that might be too soon. I still have a lot to learn. I think. No. <laughs> um, hey, you got to start. You got to start at some point. Yeah, yeah I do. Yeah. Learn on the fly. Yeah, I, I, you're, always, I, you're always learning. Every day you're learning. Yeah, that's true. You're always mm -hmm. learning. If, you, if you're not learning anymore, then you have to start asking yourself, "What am I doing right?" So yeah. Yep. And um, but well, I did do a couple shorts, my own shorts, uh, in Denver at the time. So I learned a lot through that. But I think you know, wearing a director's hat is definitely a whole other animal. And it's just nice to watch yeah. Carrie and other directors do their craft, and I kind of just you know learn from them and see how they handle the stuff. So yeah. How long? How long were those shorts? Because I'm looking at them now. Love Storm it says is one on IMDb. Polar Edge is another one, and then there was a 2009 one called The Silent Child. Oh yeah, the, yeah. The Silent Child was my very first short that we did, and it was that thing was like a 35 minute short. I'm like, what was I thinking? Now, now looking back, the 35 minute <laughs> short is a long time. And uh, Love Storm oh, yeah. was a was more of a like little passion project that you know a really great colleague of mine, Shannon Umitani. She we went to same film school together, and uh, that was like a eight minute short. So just kind of like testing out. Then I got busy with editing. So kind of like wasn't able to, to do those passion projects as much anymore, but I'll probably pick it up again somehow. Um, so I have a question. Do you have any more questions? Cause I feel like I'm dominating this and I want you to get questions. Well, well no, you, you keep jumping in and, I keep and jumping stealing in. my questions. <laughs> I, that was literally going to be my question was like, you know, have, do you, have well, you ever wanted to do anything outside yeah. of editing in production? But you know, 
It's been answered. If you if, if you had to ask a question right now, what would it be? And I'm gonna see if you're gonna steal the one that I got. I I, I think I'm I think I'm out. I think my, you've taken all of them. All right, I'll, I'll say it. Mine's gonna mine was gonna be um like what piece or pieces of advice would you give to like a young editor who's just starting out? Like you know, first year they're trying to break into make a career in post production. I think um. Well, now that, especially with the, the editing programs are more uh, accessible, you know, back then you had to look, they were so expensive, but it's actually cheaper with these subscriptions. I think it's great to just practice, you know, practice, uh, really learn the program some more, like where you can do your shortcuts and make your edits quicker. So when you sit down with the director and edit, you can adjust your notes a lot faster. Um, so getting used to that, but, but really the, the advice I would give is really be open-minded. I think as editors, and earlier in my years, I, I admit, like, you, you get protected through your work. You get, like, I already done this edit. You know, there's no other way sometimes, you know, but there is always a way. And it's, it's good to be open-minded. Even the, the most ambitious notes or challenging notes, um, just to try, to always challenge yourself to try and always to believe that you really could build something out of nothing a lot. And I think if you're able to do that as an editor, because when I work through documentaries, you're building a lot of stuff from, nothing sometimes you know with the footage that you get mm-hmm. and if you could make a story out of that i think you you can start really accomplishing something as an editor or as again as a storyteller i mean that's a pretty solid piece of advice you know what i mean because I, I was the same i was hard-headed when i was young i would think like oh man i did it this way it's done that's i it. mean we still can I be that way still, sometimes. I still, we still have to check ourselves yeah yeah it, but yeah. you know I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. Most of the time. That's all I'm <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Especially when you work through the, the same note, very, very uh, many iterations of the same note. So many times you kind of get burnt out by it. But yeah. if, if, so, if the director is still not feeling like completely strong about it, that's going to bug me as an editor. It's like, you know what? I got to make sure. sure he's completely hundred percent comfortable. Let's see what we can do. And then, we would just step away and just come back with it with a fresh mind and it, it, something new always comes out of it. All right. Let me ask one more and then we can wrap it up. It's kind okay. of a, a spicy one. Okay. <laughs> but it's like, okay, what is like a, a horror story or like a moment that you look back on where you're just like, I can't believe this happened on a project or, you know, something that maybe irked you or something that comes to mind for me. I'll, I, I can give you one just so you have a second to think. For me, we were working on some projects a few years ago and it was like a 20 minute kind of like cooking video or something like that. And I think the producer kept having notes about changing the music. Yes. And over, I don't know, was it 12 versions of it or something like that? Something like that. We went through how many songs? Uh, about 200 because we, oh, we were switching song yeah the songs changed like once a minute so every single time we did a, a new music cut it was like 20 new songs and it just kept going and going and it was one of those things where even once they approved songs two versions later they'd be like i don't like this song anymore it doesn't yeah. it doesn't vibe and it's yeah. like well it, there's only so many songs on yeah them. it's like at that point like you just need to pick songs right i don't know they they picked some and then even they had notes on their own picks and it was just like guys I think we're, you know, I don't think people are going to give a fuck to me, <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. Oh, man, that's that's a really good question. Like like a horror story just based on an editing experience or just anything in general with production? It can be anything, yeah. Oh, man. Um, I, like editing-wise, I don't know. I feel like I, I, I've gone through so much. I've been fortunate working with, with great producers and directors, I think. I'll do, this is funny. I had to, to mean a, a horror story was 
I, w- I worked as a producer's assistant for a Christmas movie uh, a few years back. And, um, you know, a producer's assistant, I just kind of, I'm always on set assisting the producers what they need to do. And I remember this is the first day of shooting and I was excited because I love being on set. And um, I know a lot of editors that don't, but I love being on set. Just I love to see how everyone works together and make one little, one awesome like frame. And so I was taking pictures uh, on the set and then um, the director uh, pretty much called me out loud in front of the crew and said, who is standing there on the reflection at the door? And it was this guy. Oh, I'm like, oh, oh no. shit. I was like, oh shit. And Rick Ramage, and he's on involved with that project because he wrote that movie and he's a producer on it. And and I, I just stepped away and I, I, I talked to him and I just felt so terrible. I because the first time I worked with that with director Michael Landon Jr. He's an amazing man. But he yeah, yeah it was the first day. You don't do that the first day. Well, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, big old party foul. I was gonna say the funniest part about it is that you're probably the only person who remembers it. Yeah, you know? well, maybe you're Right. Maybe I am the only person that remembers it now. <laughs> I, I guarantee you that they forgot about it in like 20 minutes. Oh, yeah. 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 No, yeah. Probably. And I think, you know, after that, I, I just kind of told myself, don't get too close to the set. Just stay in the corner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. Like, like, be a good editor. Go stand over yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. So you're supposed to just yes, be, behind, be, be behind the monitor. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Chris, you got anything else? I feel like I feel like we had a pretty good little chat. No, I, no I've really enjoyed this. It's uh, it's great to get some insight into the film world because you know I I have basically no connection to it. It like growing up, that's what I always wanted to do, and then I ended up in corporate video, and I'm still happy with yeah. that. But like, Chris basically came from news, and I yep. came from like I started in music videos, like back in. I moved to L.A. I was in L.A. from 2011 to 2013, and I really liked this one musician at the time named Kendrick Lamar. And I moved out there, and I was like, yo, I want to I wanna try to work on his music videos. And I ended up getting connected with this company, A-plus Films, uh, Scott Fleischman and uh, Fredo. I forgot Fredo's last name, but amazing dudes. And they just took a chance on, on me as like a random intern. I tweeted at them. And I just came and like helped work on, I worked on some stuff for him like in 2011, 2012. It's the weirdest time of my life. But you know, if we're going back to the advice thing, if I had to give advice is shoot your shot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You gotta shoot your shot. You gotta take the chance and not be afraid, even though it can be very intimidating for sure. And I still go through that now even. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, go ahead. One more. Do you have any, uh, any projects coming up? That's what I was going to ask, bro. <laughs> took my um, no, my, my agents are currently pitching me right now. So I, you know, I, I want to try to break into the TV world a little bit and, and kind of get okay. through that experience working through a miniseries or TV, but you know, they're pitching me for features and TV right now. So nothing lined up. It's been a nice, uh, downtime. And I mean, the last two years I was going back to back features. So I was grinding. So it's nice to have a little break, but I'm ready to get yeah. back in the grind. Um, yeah. So. I was going to say, whenever you get that, whenever it, you're you're done with that run, let us know and we'll, uh, you know, we'll plug the TV show. You can come on here, talk about how you, how you, how it was working on TV stuff. Absolutely. Oh yeah, for sure. I would love to chat with you guys again. You guys are freaking fun and uh, what a fun <laughs> podcast. I'm going to listen to your podcast. Um, I, 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 yeah. you know, I just, I, I was like, cause I've been so busy traveling. I just got back from the Sundance director's lab the last couple of yeah. weeks. And so, um, and I, I know I had what? this interview with you guys, and I thought you guys were actually doing magazine stuff. I didn't know you were a podcast. Oh, this is cool. So got you my podcast Wait, and what? I listen to your episodes. Yeah, ha- have a listen. Don't take it too seriously. A lot of it's some bullshit. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Wait, what's the what's the what's the director's lab? 
So yeah, I was one of four invite, uh, editors invited to this uh, lab that Sundance does every year for uh, eight up and coming uh, directors, directing fellows. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we work with uh, the directors there. It's a whole, it's more like a, it's like a summer boot camp. It's like a retreat in a way. And uh, these directors get to film the scenes from the script more to, to practice and, and understand the process of how it works with filming and also working with an editor. And they learn a lot of like how much you can change a scene, take out dialogues and still keep the heart of the scene there. So it's really to kind of get them work all the kinks out for them before they go into the real deal when they film the first feature. To, um, so that's what the director's lab is. It's, it's, it's nice. pretty cool. Yeah. That sounds cool. Did you, did you meet anyone there who you were like, Oh wow, this person's dope. Yeah. I mean, Ed Harris, uh, so there's expert advisors there from different uh, levels, actors, directors, and editors. Um, so I met Ed Harris. He's a really great guy. Um, Pamela Martin, she just finished editing King Richard. So it's really nice to kind of like get her insight in that world and a a lot of amazing editors and directors there that that were there, a bunch of names. That sounds, that sounds amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Was it like, it's like, is it invite only got to be picked, I guess? I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's very selective of, of who gets to go there. So I'm grateful that I got picked. I still don't know how, but I am grateful. <laughs> hey, so, I mean, it sounds like you're on your way to, uh, to that, uh, feature directorial debut. Like we were talking about, it's going to happen. Oh man. Thanks, sooner thanks sooner than you guys know. In it. Of course. <laughs> well, if I do, I definitely let you guys know. <laughs> we're out here gassing them up. Um, lamb, anything you want to plug before we, before we uh, end the show? I mean, I think uh, I'm always I'm always grateful for everyone that's helped me throughout the years. You know, I'm giving their time, and and I, I and I've been you know I think I have had a lot of last couple of years a lot of new film students and assistants always reaching out asking for anything advice or anything to help them get foot in the door. So if there's I, I don't mind you know answering questions. So if they want to reach out, they can just follow me on on my Instagram handle uh, Lamb T underscore uh, Nguyen, N-G-U-Y-E-N, and um, they can reach out or anyone else can reach out. I, I'd be happy to help out as much as I can, even though I'm still learning a lot on my end. But I think through going through this lab experience, I'm like, man, I, you know, everyone's helping each other out. I, if I can help, I, I'd love to help new and upcoming. Yeah, we all, we all got to learn from each other. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, for sure. And also, you know, make sure to go check out Emergency on Amazon Prime. You know, that's 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 what the whole thing is about. Um you know, like I said, we've never had such a qualified guest before, uh, so it is kind of embarrassing. But we have to do this because we do it at the end of every show. We got to do our our plugs. Uh, oh yeah, for where you can find us. So Chris, take it away. Uh, so we are at Scissorial Gang on Twitter and Instagram. Yes. Uh, we are scissorialgang at gmail.com. That's Send right. us an email. Tell, tell us how you felt about this interview. Yeah, and ask uh, some questions. Yeah, we, we need some questions. The inbox and has been empty. <laughs> it really has been. <laughs> And of course, we have the Sizzle Reel cold, cold line. It is 332-333-4361. Yeah, call in, leave a message. It'll get played on the show. Um, that's also been pretty a pretty empty mailbox lately. But uh, somehow it worked out. Somehow it worked out because we got lambs. So, you know, maybe maybe now we'll see the messages start flying in. Absolutely. Oh, man. Well, the best part is it's a, it's a cold line. So it goes straight to voicemail. You don't have to talk to anybody. You just leave a message. That's, that's awesome. Um, like, sizzle Real Gang, right? On, on, this is a real gang. This is a real gang. You I'll, I'll follow and and thanks for the shout out for emergency on Crime Video, guys. And uh, of course, thanks of for course. having me on this. Uh, this is a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, Lamb. Thank you for coming on. And like, yeah, next time you have something come out, we'll bring you back on. We love having recurring guests. Um, everyone, thank you so much for listening, and uh, we will catch you next week. See ya. Bye. Bye.
Fishkin Productions podcast.